Act One of The Vampire or The Bride of the Isles by James Planchet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vampire or The Bride of the Isles by James Planchet. Act One, Scene One. A hall in the castle of Lord Ronald. McSwell, center, and a group of retainers in hunting dresses, discovered, seating round a table drinking. The sun is seen just rising behind the hills through the large Gothic windows at the back. Come, feel at the parting, glass go round with a stirrup cup, be our reverie crown. See the sun that set to our bugle's sound, is changing the night in the morning. His darkness shrinks from his rising ray, so sorrow and care we will keep at bay by the bowl at night and the hark away that awakes his brave boys in the morning. They all rise. McSwill hides under the table. Bridget, calling without. McSwill! Enter Bridget and Robert, left. Very pretty doings, upon my word. He is our poor mistress the lady margaret been lost for nearly the whole night in the forest and no sooner is she by good fortune found again and trying to get a little rest in her own apartments but you make all this noise as if on purpose to disturb her nay mrs bridget don't be angry with them they've been celebrating my lady's return return don't tell me they never want an excuse to get drunk out of the castle directly don't stand talking and scraping there go along directly when i tell you exeunt retainers left oh where's that rascal mcswill he's at the bottom of all this but if i mcswill attempts to steal off left ah oh, oh there you are sir come here sir seizes him by the ear and brings him forward down on your knees directly and ask my pardon oh dear mrs bridget how came you under the table what a question when a man has been drinking all night will you never leave off taking your drops i don't take drops mrs bridget here has poor robert been running through the forest all night seeking my lady and peeping into all the holes of the grotto whilst you the the grotto mrs bridget to robert good guide us why you didn't go into the grotto did you and why not booby oh dear oh dear the ignorance of some people but you are an englishman and that accounts for it why didn't you know that the grotto was haunted ay <laughs> ay laugh away do but i can tell you it's full of kelpies and evil spirits of all sorts only ask mrs bridget it's very true robert and you shouldn't laugh for they always owe a grudge to anybody that jests about them did you never hear the story of lady blanche hush don't talk so loud you know it mrs bridget no but lord ronald is very angry with everybody who circulates stories of that description so speak lower if you are going to tell it well then 
once upon a time <laughs> mother bunch's fairy tales well isn't that the proper way to begin a story go on once upon a time you've said that once twice will you be quiet with your fun i won't tell it at all well well then once upon a time what happened once upon a time there lived a lady named blanche in this very castle and she was betrothed to a rich scotch nobleman all the preparations for the wedding were finished when on the evening before it was to take place the lovers strolled into the forest alone no together to be sure well sot i mean that and i think it was highly improper well they were seen to enter the grotto and and what they never came out again bravo an excellent story but that isn't all the next morning the body of the lady was found covered with blood and the marks of human teeth on her throat but no trace of the nobleman could be discovered and from that time to this he has never been heard of and they do say oh, i hope nobody hears us they do say that the nobleman was a vampire for a friar afterwards confessed on his deathbed that he had privately married them in the morning by the nobleman's request and that he fully believed it was some fiend incarnate for he could not say the responses without stuttering better and better and how came you by this precious legend great-uncle of my grandfather had it from the great-grandfather of the steward's cousin by the mother's side who lived with a branch of the family when the accident happened and moreover i've heard my great-uncle say that these horrible spirits called vampires kill and suck the blood of beautiful young maidens whom they are obliged to marry before they can destroy and they do say that such is the condition of their existence that if at stated periods they should fail to obtain a virgin bride whose lifeblood may sustain them they would instantly perish oh the beautiful young maidens of beautiful young maidens merciful powers what an escape i've had i was in the cavern myself one day lord mrs bridget i'm sure there's no occasion for you to be frightened why you saucy sot i've a great mind to a bell rings right i declare tis my lady's bell no occasion indeed an impudent fellow but men nowadays have no more manners than hogs bell rings again exit mrs bridget right there's a shade devil for you oh, i don't think there's such another vixen in all scotland she's little and hot like a peppercorn what a lug she gave me by the ear Ugh. nay nay you mustn't mind that all old ladies have their odd ways car such odd ways as that though i shall feel the pinch for a month pray mr robert as you've been in london with lord ronald do you know who this earl is that the lady margaret is to be married to i only know that he is the earl of marsden and master of the castle on the coast facing this island what where the pretty effie your intended lives exactly he'll arrive just in time then to be present at the wedding i hope so 
that will be glorious two weddings in one day such dancing such eating such <laughs> drinking bridget calling without right mcswill <sighs> choke you you old warlock what's in the wind now i wonder crosses to right bridget calling without right mcswill i say coming mrs bridget exit mcswill right yes as soon as the earl arrives i shall certainly take an opportunity to request him to honour the wedding with his presence how pleased my dear effie would be charming girl i shall never forget the hour when first we met the hour when first we met my dear the hour when first we met i never can forget my dear i never can forget so sweet on me those eyes were turned that beamed thy cheek above they looked like lamps that only burned to light the heart to love to light the heart to love my dear to light the heart to love they looked like lamps that only burned to light the heart to love and while they shine on me my dear and while they shine on me i'll ne'er be false to thee my dear i'll ne'er be false to thee oh never never slight me then nor leave me love to say like fires that glimmer o'er the fen they beam but to betray they beam but to betray my dear they beam but to betray like fires that glimmer o'er the fen they beam but to betray exit robert left scene two an apartment in the castle enter lady margaret and bridget right oh my lady you must tell not me i'm sure the fright and the fatigue you have undergone have made you ill indeed no i feel quite recovered i assure you my good bridget but i know better my lady that smile is not like your usual ones something ails you something certainly troubles me but my health is not affected i would confide the cause of my uneasiness to you but fear you will laugh at me when i tell you it is a dream i have had a dream for heaven's sake tell me my lady a horrible one bridget last night as i was endeavouring to join the hunters from whom in the hurry of the chase i had been separated i wandered near the famous basaltic caverns to which the vulgar attached so many strange traditions the storm grew violent by the strong flashes of lightning i discovered the opening of the grotto i entered it for shelter and overcome with fatigue 
fell asleep upon one of the rocky tombs on a sudden a sepulchre opened and a phantom approached me i trembled but an invisible hand seemed to prevent my flight i could not even turn mine eyes from the apparition to my surprise the countenance was that of a young and handsome man but it was pale and well-worn his eyes fixed upon mine with the most touching expression seemed to implore my pity he uttered my name and had nearly reached me when a beautiful being stood between us and checked his progress then oh horror the features of the spectre grew frightfully distorted its whole form assumed the most terrific appearance and it sunk into the tomb from which it had issued with a shriek that froze me mercy preserve us i tremble all over i awoke the moon streamed into the grotto and i sprung into the open air i heard the voices of those who sought me i answered them as loudly as i was able with shouts of joy they surrounded me and bore me safely hither i shall never sleep in peace again oh my dear young lady ronald without my daughter risen you say but here comes your father shall you tell him my lady oh no he is such an enemy to what he calls superstition that i dare not expose myself to his ridicule enter lord ronald left well my dear daughter what up and dressed again already come this is a happy omen bridget order my henchmen to the turrets of the keep and give notice of the earl of marsden's approach crosses and exit bridget this day my dear margaret will be one of the happiest of my life but what's the matter you appear sorrowful ah my dear father the description we have had of marston has been such certainly as should prejudice us in his favour yet the nearer the moment approaches of his arrival the more i feel uneasy oh sir my fate is next to heaven in your hands do not do not make your daughter miserable why this agitation margaret i have never wished to force your inclination i certainly desire his alliance most ardently nevertheless if you dislike him i do not know that i shall but you sir who wish me to accept him do not know him personally tis true but if he resembles his brother you cannot fail to love him alas poor ruthven you never mention his name but with a sigh is it possible i can ever cease to lament so dear a friend i have heard you say he saved your life and for that reason i revere his memory myself but are you sure he no longer exists would that i could harbour a doubt on the subject but alas the fatal scene of his death is ever present to my imagination when called as you know by the sudden illness of my now late son to athens i found lord ruthven with whom he had contracted an intimacy hanging over his sick couch and bestowing on him the attentions of a brother such behaviour naturally endeared him to me and after my poor boy's death his lordship being like myself an enthusiastic admirer of the beauties of nature and the works of art became the constant companion of my excursions the more i saw of him the more i admired his extraordinary talents in my eyes he appeared something more than human and seemed destined to fill that place in my affections which had become void by my son's decease i showed him your miniature never shall i forget the emotion in beholding it by heavens he exclaimed 
"'Tis the precise image my fancy has created as the only being who could ever constitute my happiness. We were on the point of returning to Scotland to learn your sentiments on the subject, when one evening—but why should I inflict you with the repetition of so dreadful a story? Pray proceed, sir. I sympathize in your afflictions, and feel a melancholy gratification in contemplating the devotedness and heroism which preserved to me so dear a father. Returning to Athens, then, one evening, after a short excursion, we were attacked by some banditti. I was disarmed. Ruthven threw himself before me, and received the ruffian's sabre in his own breast. Our attendants, however, succeeded in overcoming the villains. I threw myself into the arms of my expiring friend. He pressed my hand. Lord Ronald, said he, I have saved your life. I die content. My only regret is that fate has prevented me from becoming your son. Gallant, unfortunate Ruthven, what a destiny was thine to fall in a foreign land in the flower of thy youth, deprived of sepulchre. How deprived of sepulchre? An extraordinary circumstance prevented my fulfilling that last melancholy duty. In his dying agonies, he conjured me to quit the spot, lest the assassins should return in number. The moon was rising in unclouded majesty. Place me, said he, on yonder mound, so that my fleeting spirit may be soothed by the soft and tranquil light of yon chaste luminary. I did so. He expired. I left the body to collect our servants, who were in pursuit of the defeated villains, and ere we could return to the spot, it had disappeared. Removed for plunder, doubtless. I ne'er could ascertain. The stains of the grass sufficiently marked the spot where I had lain him, but all search was in vain. On quitting Greece, I heard Lord Marsden was in Venice. To him I sent his brother's property, and amidst it he found your picture, which, in my desire for his alliance, I had given Ruthven. The Earl proposed immediately to replace the loss we had sustained in his brother, and nothing, I am confident, remains to complete our happiness but his arrival. Why is not Ruthven living? Methinks I could have loved him for his preservation of you. Bugle and response. Left. Re-enter Bridget. Left. The Earl has arrived, my lord. Come, Margaret, let us haste and receive him. My dear sir, I cannot see him yet. Indeed, I cannot. Retire, then, for a while to your apartment. Bridget, attend your lady. Exeunt Margaret and Bridget, right. Enter four servants left, who range across the back. I'll fly to meet the Earl. Ha! He is here. Enter Lord Riven, left. My lord, the honor you have done me. Heavens, what do I see? Do I recall the memory of a friend, Lord Ronald? His voice, too. Ruthven! Such was my name, till the death of an elder brother put me in possession of my present title. Can I believe my senses, or does some vision mock my waking sight? My dear friend, let this embrace banish your doubts. Ruthven, my friend! But by what miracle have you been preserved to me? Unexpected but powerful assistance recalled my fleeting spirit. When sufficiently recovered to join you, you had quitted Greece. The news of my brother's death reached me. I wrote to you under my new title, and, arriving in Scotland to take possession of my paternal estate, determined to give you this pleasurable surprise. O oh, happy hour! I once more embrace my friend. 
Be sure, Ruthven, that my daughter would only have become your brother's bride to acquit me of the debt that I owe you. My generous friend! But think you I shall be fortunate enough to gain the lovely Margaret's affections? I cannot doubt it. She has pitied your misfortunes. She has wept over your fate. She comes. Exeunt attendants. Left. What will be her astonishment? Re-enter Lady Margaret. Right. My dear, behold the generous friend whose loss we have so long deplored. Tis Ruthven claims your hand. My lord, duty to a beloved parent will— She raises her eyes slowly to his countenance, starts and falls with a shriek into the arms of Lord Ronald. No! Nah! Margaret, oh heavens, she is ill. Help there. Lady Margaret, shuddering and aside. That countenance, the phantom of last night. Relapses into insensibility. What can have occasion to this emotion? Alas, I know not. Margaret, my sweet child. Lady Margaret, reviving. Pardon, my lord, this weakness, the effect of last night's adventure. Last night? We hunted late yesterday. My daughter lost her way and suffered much fatigue. Beautiful Lady Margaret, how am I to interpret this emotion? The surprise of seeing one whose death we were even now deploring. Is it possible that, without knowing me, the recital of my misfortunes alone could thus have interested you? I am the daughter of Lord Ronald, and my heart, touched with gratitude. Aside. I dare not look at him. With gratitude? And what will be my gratitude? if you but deign to approve your father's generous designs. Crossing to her. Tell me, or oh, tell me, you confirm them, or oh, never, never will I rise from your feet. Kneeling and seizing her hand. Lady Margaret, aside. Heavens, how strange a thrill runs through my frame. Riven, aside. Then she's mine. These transports, my lord, must not alarm you. It is in the presence of your father. It is at his desire I here vow my eternal fidelity. Oh, my friend, join your supplications to mine. My daughter is well aware of my wishes. Speak, dearest lady, I conjure you. Lady Margaret, aside. What spell is it that moves me thus? Aloud. My lord, my father has never yet found me disobedient to his will. You consent, then? Lady Margaret to Lord Ronald. My dear sir, allow me to retire. Lady, dear lady. Pardon me, my lord. A strange confusion, a wild emotion overpowers me. Let me retire. Exit Lady Margaret, right. Ruthven, the wish of my heart is gratified. You are my son. Dearest sir, I have still a boon to ask. Let our marriage be celebrated without delay. It is my intention, and tomorrow— Good-night, my friend. Business of the utmost importance recalls me to London. Tomorrow's dawn must witness our departure. Impossible. Have you not to take possession of your estate? It is but showing myself at the castle. 
from which I can return ere the sun sets this evening. Well, if my daughter makes no objections, I will go, plead your suit, and hear the reasons for your haste afterwards. I know not how you have infatuated me, Ruthven, but rest assured I feel for you all that a father's heart can feel. Exit Ronald, left. Revan, walking about, agitated. Demon as I am, that walk the earth to slaughter and devour, the little that remains of my heart within this wizard frame, sustained alone by human blood, shrieks from the appalling act of planting misery in the bosom of this veteran chieftain. Still must the fearful sacrifice be made, and suddenly, for the approaching night will find my wretched frame exhausted, and darkness, worse than death, annihilation is my lot. Margaret, unhappy maid, thou art my destined prey. Thy blood must feed a vampire's life, and prove the food of his disgusting banquet. Enter Robert, timidly, left. My lord? What would you? I beg your lordship's pardon for my boldness, but I am a servant of Lord Ronald's, and would fain request your lordship's patronage. In what respect? I am betrothed, and please your lordship, to Effie, your steward's daughter. And, as I hear it is your lordship's intention to visit your estate, I... Betrothed, say you? Yes, my lord. And when is the marriage to take place? This evening, my lord. Riffin, half aside. I will be there. Oh, my lord, I was afraid to ask you. But your lordship has made me so happy. What distance are we from the castle? The sea is calm, my lord. We may row there in a few minutes. Order the barge instantly, then. Yes, my lord. Exit Robert, left. Enter Lord Ronald, left. All is arranged to your wishes. Your daughter consents? She does, and I have ordered the chapel to be prepared for our return. You go to Mosden with me, then? Certainly. Your stay is so short, I will not leave you for a moment. My dear friend, this kindness. Re-enter Robert, left. The barge is ready, my lord. Away! Away! Hurried music. Exeunt, left. Scene three. Garden of Lord Riven's castle. The sea in the distance. Andrew and Effie discovered, right, surrounded by village lads and lasses, dressed as for a fete. What can be the reason Robert does not arrive? Something has happened to detain him. He will be here soon. I see nothing like a boat at present. Andrew, looking off, left upper entrance. Why, what is that to the right there? Not a boat, I'm sure, father. But I say it is a boat, and making for the castle too. Hark, father, hark! A boat is seen at sea, which gradually approaches, to the symphony of the following boat song, sung without left, and growing louder and louder as the boat nears the land. Row on, row on across the main, so smooth 
smoothly glides our bark to shore while to our boat songs measured strain so truly dips the well-timed door The headland past her sweetest smile, our labor richly will repay. To see, to see his form, I see, for soon he will be here. The neighbors haste prepare the feast, the bonnie glad to cheer. For there's nay look about the hoose, there's nay look at all. There's little pleasure in the house when my dear lad's away. There's near luck about the host, there's near luck at all. There's little pleasure in the house when Robert's far away. Shouts without, left upper entrance. Enter Robert, left upper entrance. My dear Robert. My sweet Effie. What has kept you so long? Oh, I've news for you. Lord Ronald has come with me, and who do you think besides, father-in-law? Nay, I'm sure I can't guess. Lord Ruthen. Lord Riven. Why, he has been dead these twelve months. Has he? I believe you're mistaken, father-in-law. Shouts, left of centre. Do you hear that? Foe, foe, I tell you it must be some impostor. Enter Riven, Ronald, and attendants. Left upper entrance. <gasps> Merciful providence, it is my young master. Yes, my good Andrew, behold me restored to you. Thank heaven, thank heaven. But I could not believe that I should ever have the pleasure of seeing my dear master again. I shall never forget your attachment to our family, and your attention to their interest. Let me not interrupt your felicity. You are about to celebrate a marriage, I think. Yes, my lord. Here's my daughter, Effie, whom your lordship remembers a little girl. She's very pretty. Yes, my lord. That is, thank you, my lord. You must allow me to give the bride her dowry and patronize the whole ceremony oh my lord this is such an honor well then before the dance commences neighbors let us go and arrange the supper-table where we will drink our good lord's happy return away with you then exeunt andrew left and peasants right upper entrance i must leave you for a moment ruthven to give some directions to my bargeman exit ronald and attendants left upper entrance come effie let's follow our neighbours going riven left detaining effie fair effie i would speak with you effie with hesitation centre if robert has no objection my lord how you silly girl when his lordship does you so much honour 
you'll find me with andrew exit robert right come nearer charming maid my lord i i dare not my lord fear nothing aside yet she has cause to fear should i surprise her heart as by my gifted spell i may the tribute that prolongs existence may be paid and margaret may at least a while be spared to effie how delightful tis to gaze upon thee thus an atmosphere of joy is round about thee which whosoever breathes becomes thy slave my lord what mean you my heart ne'er throbbed but for one woman and you have just her features this morning the flame of love was extinguished in my soul but now now it burns with redoubled ardour but the lady whom you admired my lord she is dead dead yes dead effie but in you she lives again what do i hear oh effie can you not conceive the happiness of once more beholding the object we adore i shall never love any one but robert happy robert and unfortunate riven why did i ever behold thee effie see me no more my lord if that has occasions your uneasiness going right stay effie it is in your power to console me for all i have lost love me nay start not mine you must and shall be my lord i'll hear no more if robert think not of him the bridal preparations are complete my bride thou art no power on earth shall tear thee from me say effie that you love me taking her hand mercy on me oh my lord i i know not what to say my heart beats so fast that oh pray leave me my lord sobbing you weep those tears are for me no no indeed my lord this instant let me bear thee to the priest my lord for pity's sake you plead in vain effie thou art mine for ever bears her off right re-enter robert right upper entrance how long she stays not here why effie shrieks heavens what do i see borne off and struggling villain loose your hold draws a pistol and runs after them right stage gradually darkens enter andrew and lord ronald right upper entrance why andrew said you not the earl was here twas here i left him but just now my lord a pistol fired without right effie shrieks without right oh save me save me <gasps> my daughter's voice exit right enter lord riven wounded right upper entrance ruthven riven falling center i die what murderous hand the moon is seen descending exclaim not i have but a moment to live 
Ronald, swear by the host of heaven to obey my last commands. Young man, the word of Ronald needs no oath to bind it. I die. Delay not a moment, but swear to— I do, I do. I swear by all that is most dear and sacred to honor and to man to fulfill your last desire. Conceal my death from every human being till yonder moon, which now sails in her full splendor, shall be set this night, and ere an hour shall elapse after I have expired. Throw this ring into the waves that wash the tomb of Fingal. Gives a ring. I will, I will, Ruthven, dear Ruthven. Remember your oath. The lamp of night is descending the blue heavens. When I am dead, let its sweet light shine on me. Farewell. Remember, remember your oath. Dies. Solemn music. Ronald lays the body of Riven on a bank in the garden, right upper entrance, and kneels mournfully beside it. The moon continues descending till the light falls full upon the corpse. Ronald rises, crosses to left, and the curtain drops. End of Act One